Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to the Vine and Branches podcast. My name is Allie O'Neill, and today we're going to be talking about the perfectionist syndrome. So it's so great because this morning my son decided he wanted to watch Cars 3 after Magic School Bus Time, and that gave me some time to get this podcast done this morning. So it's coming earlier to you today. Now, I'm going to talk about the perfectionist syndrome, but I'm also going to touch on personality a little bit today, and tomorrow the subject is actually going to be personality. So the perfectionist syndrome. There is a difference between being a perfectionist and having a perfectionist syndrome. Now, perfectionism in psychology is actually a personality trait. And it's going to be characterized by a person's striving for flawlessness and them setting a high performance standard on themselves. It's also going to be accompanied by critical self-evaluations. And these people are going to be concerning other people and the evaluations that they're doing on themselves. So they're bringing other people into the picture. So it's really conceptualized as a multidimensional characteristic and they're are positive and negative aspects to it as there are with all personality types, okay? So that's something I want you to understand. All personality types do have positives and negatives. So don't think because you are a perfectionist or you carry the perfectionist syndrome that it's all a negative. So this is going to be a more, in its maladaptive form, a perfectionist drives people to attempt and achieve unattainable ideas or unrealistic goals. And this often leads to depression and low self-esteem. So this is when it's kind of turning into a syndrome and is when it's causing other issues in your lives. So as someone who is an adaptive perfectionist can actually help motivate people to reach their goals And they can get pleasure from doing so. So this is a positive side. They're good motivators. Um, Some of them are fitness coaches. Some of them are life coaches. Some of them become psychologists um, or counselors. So for me, I struggle from perfectionism. um, But I've gotten a lot better over the years. This is something that has, you know, gotten way better over time. And I did a personality test to try to understand a little bit more if to see how much of my behavior is just my personality and how much of my behavior is outside of the realm of that and I, I kind of need to tweak a little bit. So there are tons of different personality books out there for you and I'm going to give you those resources tomorrow since we're talking about personality. But I do want to dive into the choleric type A personality because this is usually where your perfectionism stems from. Um, It's really hard for other personality types to develop a perfectionist syndrome. So a choleric type A is, um, so we have choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. So I fall under the choleric or type A personality. Now, the type A personality isn't what people typically think that it is, but it is a very strong approach to life. So someone may say, I'm type A just because they like to have things organized. No, you're not type A just because you like organization. 
There are so many other factors. And actually, the type A personality is not necessarily something that you always want to be bragging about. Um, because most perfectionists are kind of seen in a negative light or they really annoy people more. So when a choleric ends up making a mistake, they're usually really loud mistakes. So, um, type A's are going to make quick decisions. They're confident and they're born to lead, but when they want to control, they have a tendency to be bossy. Um, they're goal oriented and they find value and accomplishment and the cleric person can get a lot done in life, but also is going to leave a trail of wounded people along the way. So if this is your personality and you don't try to get it under control and use the positives of your personality, it can go in a really negative direction. So things like making quick decisions. These quick decisions may be, I need to make a decision, I need to get done, and then maybe you have regrets about the decisions you made later on. Um, You're confident, but confident is good. We want to be confident, but are we overly confident? Are we confident to a point where we're making others feel insignificant or less than even compared to us because we're putting them down because we're so confident? And are we confident in a way that we're prideful and we think we're better than other people? Then they're born to lead. Now, this is this is great because we need leaders, but we also need followers. So the thing that I can say for someone who has a perfectionist syndrome is the best thing to do is learn how to be a follower because you have to know how to follow before you can lead. Now, sometimes it's really hard because... If you're a person who has a perfectionist syndrome, sometimes you have a highly sensitive personality too, which means that you are intuitive to a lot of things around you and um, you your brain goes a thousand miles a minute. So you're thinking of all these things, which means you may be able to process information at a different rate than someone else and come up with more ideas while a person may still be processing themselves. Um, So just an example, I'm sure my husband won't mind me sharing. Brian and I are completely different. He has a more melancholy personality and I am very choleric. And when we sit down and have a conversation, I'll ask him a question and he's a little bit slower to answer because he takes more time to process. It doesn't mean he's less intelligent. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know what he's going to say. It's just that he likes to process it and his thinking process is much different than mine is. For me, I've got point A, B, and C, and then I have an entire outline if those don't work. So I just keep talking. It can make it hard for a perfectionist to then be an active listener. So there's active listening and there's passive listening. Active listening is when you're actively trying to hear what the person is saying to you to process it. A passive listener is listening to speak, which means that they are just waiting for the next chance that they can interject and say what they have to say. Passive listening is very selfish and it's it's good to use in arguments, but 
you have to have a good balance between that active and passive listening. So for those of us who are perfectionists or, you know, we're choleric type A, sometimes we need to pull back and say, you know what, I need to let this other person talk. So for me, it's been really hard because I'm going into counseling and going to be a psychologist and I active listening is the biggest part of my job. And sometimes in my head, I'm like, you know what? I want to interject something and say, no, I just see you going down this path and I want to help. It's not my job to do that. My job is to actively listen and then respond. So it's hard for me. And it's amazing when I look that perfectionists are actually people that they look to put in counseling and psychology positions. Um, Because it's just funny that you look at that and you're like, wow, but we're, we're not the best active listeners sometimes, but we can train ourselves to be great active listeners. So the tendency to be bossy. So I'm going to pull out the friend card again, and I don't use names, but I have a friend who I've served with and Oh my goodness. I thought I was type A and sometimes I'm like, I get so frustrated with her. And I was wondering why I got so frustrated. And I realized because we're the same person in essence. And I mean, I, I'm at a different part of my journey, but we're so alike. So we kind of clash and she's, except I don't have that competitive component. Um, she's extremely, extremely competitive in literally everything that she puts her hands on. And I am more, I'm not really worried about the competition as much. So it makes it hard when you have two clerics that are trying to work together where you're, whether you're serving in ministry or you're just working together at your daily job or your friends or your family members, You could become the best friends ever, but I'm telling you that it's not going to be the easiest friendship. You're going to have to put more work into it. So being bossy, uh, when we're bossy to our friends and our family members, they don't really like that. So going on from from that, it's really hard to, because... I think as cleric people were more often irritated by kind of the bubbly sanguine personality, which sanguine is just kind of happy, carefree. And there are some clerics that are sanguines as well. And for me, this is like the worst mixture is someone who's extremely upbeat in your face and cleric. Um, that's a hard personality for me to work with. It's not bad. It's a great personality. They reach a lot of people, but for me and my personality type, it's harder for me to spend long periods of time with people like that. So the reason why cleric people are often irritated by the bubbly sanguine or people who have a mixture of both is because they have things to accomplish and they're very serious about their goals. So if you are a perfectionist and you have a lot to do. Remember when I was talking about stress? Stress says that everything's an emergency. That's what we're living in. We're living in a state of emergency. And this is where I really wanted to touch because um, when you are getting to the point where everything becomes a state of an emergency, it means you're dealing with stress. And this is when being a perfectionist can go into a negative route. Now, 
perfectionists tend to have a higher risk factor for things such as uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, excessive obsessive compulsive personalities, eating disorders, social anxiety, social phobia, body dysmorphic disorders, um, uh, workaholism, self-harm, things like substance abuse and clinical depression. But most of all, they also have a higher risk factor for physical problems like chronic stress and heart disease. So I want to touch on obsessive compulsive disorder a little bit because that's something that I will be open with and I have been diagnosed with. And it takes many different forms and it's probably, if you're a perfectionist and you're listening to this, you will, you'll understand where I'm coming from. It is so frustrating when you're hanging out with a friend or you just hear someone in passing say, oh yeah, I'm OCD. And they use that label of a disorder on themselves because of an action that they perform. So because they like to be neat and tidy, they're all of a sudden OCD. And coming from a psychology background as well as coming from a background from where I suffer with this disorder, I get so frustrated and I think in my head, and I usually don't say it out loud, although I've done it a couple times. I think in my head, but do you? But do you have OCD? Um, do you know what that is? Do you know how it manifests? So when we're perfectionists, we can get ourselves to a point of stress to the point where we have tics. Now, obsessive compulsive disorder takes the form in tics. So let's say you're leaving your house and you're obsessively worrying that you did not lock your door. A person may grab the knob five to eight times, maybe even more, and go through the same process to be sure that the door is locked. And that is an obsession. And that is a compulsion because you feel compulsed to do this action. Another example may be if you are doing the dishes, you may actually wash the same dish four, eight, however many times. It's in repetition. Now remember that these repetitions are not just every once in a while. This is something that you have to do. Some people get into a part of their daily life that it bothers them so much that it it is interfering. They're late to work. They start messing with their time management. And you can imagine if you're a perfectionist, how hard it is to then have your time management off. And then you begin to obsess about that. So it's an ongoing trail of things. So that's one form it can take. Another form of obsessive compulsive disorder takes is the mental form. And this is where we are going through a string of thoughts that we are obsessing over, over and over and over again. That gets puts us in a perpetual line of stress. Now, this once again is not a specific event or a tendency that happens once in a while. This is a constant for us. We're living in a maze in our minds that are, have, that are keeping us from moving forward in life. It's giving us fear. It's giving us anxiety. And that's more where I'm at. I'm more of a state of a mental maze, an obsessive compulsive And I just want to tell you guys that obsessive compulsive order is extremely hard to diagnose. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was 21. And the reason why it's so hard is because so many people come in and they claim to have an obsession, which is true. They can be obsessive over something, but it doesn't mean that it has turned into a disorder. 
So a good example I like to use is we used to have a dachshund and dachshunds are known to be really obsessive animals. And she had these keys and she was absolutely obsessed with bringing her keys to you all the time and you had to play. And even if she wasn't playing with you, they had to be in her kennel. She had to be cuddling them if she was napping on you. And if she heard anyone kick her keys, she went nuts. Um, my in-laws have a dachshund as well and her obsession is licking she has to lick you like almost to the point where she licks and melts your skin it's pretty gross um but those are obsessions or tics that they have so this is something that they have to do they almost they feel like they can't live without it so if it comes to a point where you're feeling like you can't live without it it becomes a hindrance in your daily life you may want to go and talk to a trained professional about this issue. So that's obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm not going to get too, too much farther into it. And then we have eating disorders. So perfectionists not only worry about the actions that they're doing and whether what they're performing is perfect, but they're, wor- they're worrying about their outer appearance. So you more than likely will not find a perfectionist whose outer appearance isn't intact. Now, here's what I mean by this. Some people are worried about weight, which is when it turns into an eating disorder because they're never thin enough or they're always worried about augmentation of their body. So they're getting a lot of um, surgeries to have their body look a specific way Um, and this, this can be a form of it, but also a form of it is not only the eating disorders and the, and the worry about that, but it can be like that everything is pristine. So someone may kind of obsess over their, um, over their outfits. I am so sorry. My son is screaming at me in the middle of my podcast. So um, you guys might have to bear with me. I am a mom. I have a two-year-old. So it kind of makes it hard to do these podcasts sometimes. But if I was to stop, I'd have to redo the entire 18 minutes that I've already done. <coughs> Excuse me. So anyways, so going off of that, they, it may be taking an outer form. So this outer form could be obsessing about clothing. So some people actually get into um, shopping uh, shopping issues. They become shopaholics, as you've probably heard. And these people are looking for the perfect outfit and then the perfect accessories. Then their hair has to be pristine. So if there's a hair that's maybe out of order, you know, they have to fix it. They're known to carry mirrors around. When they come into a job interview, let me tell you, this is an employer's dream because they're looking for someone who's not only put together on the inside, but they look appropriate on the outside. They look professional and the perfectionist is going to portray themselves as such. So in the job world, perfectionists are great and they, and they love this, but my struggle has been, so I said that one of my biggest fears was to ever gain weight and I didn't want to get over a certain amount of pounds. And I had always been really careful. And I left the military and I went through some health issues and then I had my son and I did, I gained the weight. And as a perfectionist, that was the hardest thing in my life because it was actually a fear of mine. It caused anxiety. I put myself down 
it started messing with my self-esteem and I actually thought that I was ugly. So I tried to overcompensate with outfits and how I appeared on the outside. And um, then I was getting compliments on people liking my outfits. But it took one day when I had a friend that I was serving in the youth group with. And she told me, she said, listen, I noticed that you kind of alter your pictures and um, you seem to have a little bit of an insecurity about the way that you look. And I want to tell you that you're, you're beautiful and you shouldn't think that about yourself. That was a bold move, but I needed to hear it. And I've heard it before. I've heard people say, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're, you're stunning. You look exotic. You have dark hair. I get compliments, but as a perfectionist, I'm taking every compliment in and I am analyzing it and breaking it down and like, but what did they actually mean like that? Okay. I have pretty hair, but what about the rest of me? I had gotten to that point in my life And that is, that's devastating because then we're holding other people to this standard of seeing us the way that we want to be seen. And when they don't, we put ourselves down and it goes into a spiral. Perfectionism can be really, really rough. And then it comes to a social phobia because then we go from this from this line of having these insecurities of ourselves, that then we have phobias of going out, spending time with friends, which then leads to depression because we once enjoyed to be around people because we looked a certain way or we were good at a certain thing. And then we're afraid to be around other people because we think we're going to be judged. Um, so this, this is really difficult. And I understand that this is, a subject that a lot of people don't want to come out and necessarily say, they'll say I'm a perfectionist, but they won't actually admit to perfectionist syndrome. And that's why I wanted to have this segment because I feel that it's so important that even if you're not verbalizing that you have this, that internally you're recognizing it and you're working on it. Because I just talked about a lot of the negatives, but I want to get into the positives of perfectionism and the perfectionist syndrome. And how you can move from a place of negativity to a place of positivity and own those skills that you have. Because so many times there are people out there who put perfectionists down. And it's because they're annoying. They think they're better than me. They think they're this and they think they're that. The reason they do that is because that is what we are portraying to people. Um aren't, we always say we have good intentions. Well, that wasn't my intent. I didn't mean to do that. But what we intend and what we are portraying are two completely different things and they're very important. So the person that we are on the inside needs to reflect on the outside. And I had a hard time bridging the gap between the two because what I would do is I would feel something on the inside and then the way that I was acting didn't measure up at all. So people were thinking that I was abrasive and I was rude and I was competitive and, you know, I was, as some people say, hard to handle or intimidating. And that's not what's in my heart. That's not who I am. And people who really got to know me, who are really a part of my life, they know better, but they will tell you that their first impression of me was what I just said. I was intimidating, hard to handle. Um, I've made people cry at work. Um, when I was in the military, I made people cry. I've made people cry 
grown men, I've made grown men cry. And literally I had no intent of being abrasive or rude. I was speaking truth and I was speaking honesty, but maybe not in a tone that I should have been speaking it from. So we need to hone, we need to hone that in and we need to learn how to use the positives. So work perfectionists are, like I said, the employer's dream. They want someone that can do the job. They can do it well and eventually move up to a point in career advancement and start leading other people to do what they do. Because if you're a prized employee to your employer and you're doing everything or you're doing a lot of things right and they really appreciate you, they want to breed more of those types of employees. And I've been told by some employers that, you know, you're great. I wish we had more people like you and your husband or more people like um, so-and-so. So they're looking that as kind of like an archetype for an employee. And it's it can almost turn into workaholism for a perfectionist because we like hearing that so much that we put everything into our work because that becomes our happy place. But um, to, to really take in the positives of perfectionism, we need to come in a way that we're being humble and we need to be able to... Um, try our best in the workplace to not put other people down because our employer may love us, but our coworkers will not because they see us as competitive or they know they can come to us to get all the filing done or get things organized or to plan an event. But if they want to actually incorporate you in a Christmas party and or their son or daughter's birthday party, you may not get an invite. So you're going to have to navigate through what that kind of looks like. Um, Another positive to being a perfectionist is your attention to detail. I know that whether you're learning in school or whether you are working or you're even at home or, you know, in a specific field, that attention to detail can be really important. It was helpful for me in my military career, and it's really been helpful in every stage of my life, especially being a mother. Because if you can have that attention to detail and see things, it's really helpful to know, you know, what's going on with your child and help better suit your child. Um, Another thing is talking about personalities and getting into psychology and counseling. You have a tendency to be extremely empathetic. You just have to find that part of you. So when you finally get to a level of maturity in your perfectionism and you're able to pull back some layers, you're able to see less of yourself and more of the people around you, which makes you really cognitive of other people. And you might find that studying about your personality makes you interested in studying the personality of others. So that's kind of where where I came from. I came from a place of maturity and my perfectionism, and I was able to have more empathy for people and understand more because of the things that I've walked through. And I can't remember where I was reading this, but it's, I want to say maybe it was Max Lucado, but I'm not sure. He's, whoever it was, the author said, everyone wants to be an expert on something and they think that their expertise makes them know more than someone else. But the Titanic sunk and it was made by a bunch of experts and the ark ended up floating 
and it was made by someone who had no experience. Noah didn't have experience in this, but it ended up floating. So I really liked that example. We try to think that our expertise is going to make us better people. While I do think that what we walk through in our Jesus journey is so vital in helping us to empathize with other people, we can still empathize without that. Um, But what I'm saying is as a perfectionist, pull yourself out of the equation and look at the other people around you. Use that attention to detail. Use that organization and you can start to get into different fields. Maybe studying personality is just fun as a hobby. So there's so many different layers layers to perfectionism. (coughs) Excuse me. And I just want to give you with a couple takeaways. Perfectionism, number one. Perfectionism syndrome is not entirely negative. There are positive, there are positive attributes that you can get from this. So if people are trying to put you down for being this way, do not let other people put you down for the person that God has made you to be. And I have said this so many different times, but God gave you this trait for a reason. And although sometimes we get so frustrated that this is the person that we are, these skills are used through spiritual gifts that we can then serve later on. So you just have to mature in your personality, not change it, not get rid of it, just mature in it. And the second thing I want to tell you is that if perfectionism is used in a negative light, um, we can spiral into physical and mental attributes that are not good for us or the people around us. Um, And number three is that relationships are harder. Um... Relationships are hard in general, but when we have such an insecurity with ourselves and don't love ourselves, it's really hard for us to love other people and, you know, give in to them. So tomorrow I'm going to be diving into personality. We're going to be talking about different personality types. It may help you assess what kind of personality type you are. And I think it's helpful because when we learn who we are, we can learn where our behaviors and our emotions are coming from. And it kind of gives us a platform to help us alter some things a little bit to make lives easier for ourselves. So I hope you guys enjoyed this today. I'll be posting it up shortly and tune in with me tomorrow and have a blessed day. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to the Vine and Branches podcast. My name is Allie O'Neill, and today we're going to be talking about the perfectionist syndrome. So it's so great because this morning my son decided he wanted to watch Cars 3 after Magic School Bus time, and that gave me some time to get this podcast done this morning. So it's coming earlier to you today. Now, I'm going to talk about the perfectionist syndrome, but I'm also going to touch on personality a little bit today, and tomorrow the subject is actually going to be personality. So the perfectionist syndrome. There is a difference between being a perfectionist and having a perfectionist syndrome. Now, perfectionism in psychology is actually a personality trait. And it's going to be characterized by persons striving for flawlessness and them setting a high performance standard on themselves. It's also going to be accompanied by critical self-evaluations 
And these people are going to be concerning other people and the evaluations that they're doing on themselves. So they're bringing other people into the picture. So it's really conceptualized as a multidimensional characteristic. And there are positive and negative aspects to it as there are with all personality types. Okay. So that's something I want you to understand. All personality types do have positives and negatives. So don't think because you are a perfectionist or you carry the perfectionist syndrome that it's all a negative. So this is going to be a more, in its maladaptive form, a perfectionist drives people to attempt and achieve unattainable ideas or unrealistic goals. And this often leads to depression and low self-esteem. So this is when it's kind of turning into a syndrome and is when it's causing other issues in your lives. So someone who is an adaptive perfectionist can actually help motivate people to reach their goals and they can get pleasure from doing so. So this is a positive side. They're good motivators. Um, Some of them are fitness coaches. Some of them are life coaches. Some of them become psychologists um, or counselors. So for me, I struggle from perfectionism, um, but I've gotten a lot better over the years. This is something that has, you know, gotten way better over time. And I did a personality test to try to understand a little bit more if to see how much of my behavior is just my personality and how much of my behavior is outside of the realm of that. And I, I kind of need to tweak a little bit. So there are tons of different personality books out there for you. And I'm going to give you those resources tomorrow since we're talking about personality. But I do want to dive into the choleric type A personality because this is usually where your perfectionism stems from. Um, It's really hard for other personality types to develop a perfectionist syndrome. So a choleric type A is... um, So we have choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. So I fall under the choleric or type A personality. Now, the type A personality isn't what people typically think that it is, but it is a very strong approach to life. So someone may say, I'm type A just because they like to have things organized. No, you're not type A just because you like organization. There are so many other factors. And actually, the type A personality is not necessarily something that you always want to be bragging about. Um, Because most perfectionists are kind of seen in a negative light or they really annoy people more. So when a choleric ends up making a mistake, they're usually really loud mistakes. So... um, Type A's are going to make quick decisions. They're confident and they're born to lead. But when they want to control, they have a tendency to be bossy. Um, They're goal-oriented and they find value and accomplishment. And the cleric person can get a lot done in life, but also is going to leave a trail of wounded people along the way. So... If this is your personality and you don't try to get it under control and 
use the positives of your personality, it can go in a really negative direction. So things like making quick decisions. These quick decisions may be, I need to make a decision, I need to get done, and then maybe you have regrets about the decisions you made later on. Um, You're confident, but confident is good. We want to be confident, but are we overly confident? Are we confident to a point where we're making others feel insignificant or less than even compared to us because we're putting them down because we're so confident? And are we confident in a way that we're prideful and we think we're better than other people? Then they're born to lead. Now this is this is great because we need leaders, but we also need followers. So the thing that I can say for someone who has a perfectionist syndrome is the best thing to do is learn how to be a follower because you have to know how to follow before you can lead. Now, sometimes it's really hard because if you're a person who has a perfectionist syndrome, sometimes you have a highly sensitive personality too, which means that you are intuitive to a lot of things around you and um, you your brain goes a thousand miles a minute. So you're thinking of all these things, which means you may be able to process information at a different rate than someone else and come up with more ideas while a person may still be processing themselves. Um, so just an example, I'm sure my husband won't mind me sharing. Brian and I are completely different. He has a more melancholy personality and I am very choleric. And when we sit down and have a conversation, I'll ask him a question and he's a little bit slower to answer because he takes more time to process. It doesn't mean he's less intelligent. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know what he's going to say. It's just that he likes to process it and his thinking process is much different than mine is. For me, I've got point A, B, and C, and then I have an entire outline if those don't work. So I just keep talking. It can make it hard for a perfectionist to then be an active listener. So there's active listening and there's passive listening. Active listening is when you're actively trying to hear what the person is saying to you to process it. A passive listener is listening to speak, which means that they are just waiting for the next chance that they can interject and say what they have to say. Passive listening is very selfish and it's it's good to use in arguments, but you have to have a good balance between that active and passive listening. So for those of us who are perfectionists or, you know, we're choleric type A, sometimes we need to pull back and say, you know what, I need to let this other person talk. So for me, it's been really hard because I'm going into counseling and going to be a psychologist and I active listening is the biggest part of my job. And sometimes in my head, I'm like, you know what? I want to interject something and say, no, I just see you going down this path and I want to help. It's not my job to do that. My job is to actively listen and then respond. So it's hard for me. And it's amazing when I look that perfectionists are actually people that they look to put in counseling and psychology positions. Um, Because it's just funny that you look at that and you're like, wow, but we're, we're not the best active listeners sometimes, but we can train ourselves to be great active listeners. So 
the tendency to be bossy. So I'm going to pull out the friend card again, and I don't use names, but I have a friend who I've served with and oh my goodness, I thought I was type A and sometimes I'm like, I get so frustrated with her. And I was wondering why I got so frustrated and I realized because we're the same person in essence. And I mean, I, I'm at a different part of my journey, but we're so alike. So we kind of clash and she's, except I don't have that competitive component. Um, she's extremely, extremely competitive in literally everything that she puts her hands on. And I am more, I'm not really worried about the competition as much. So it makes it hard when you have two clerics that are trying to work together where you're, whether you're serving in ministry or you're just working together at your daily job or your friends or your family members, you could become the best friends ever, but I'm telling you that it's not going to be the easiest friendship. You're going to have to put more work into it. So being bossy, uh, when we're bossy to our friends and our family members, they don't really like that. So going on from, from that, it, it's really hard to, because... I think as cleric people were more often irritated by kind of the bubbly sanguine personality, which sanguine is just kind of happy, carefree. And there are some clerics that are sanguines as well. And for me, this is like the worst mixture is someone who's extremely upbeat in your face and cleric. Um, that's a hard personality for me to work with. It's not bad. It's a great personality. They reach a lot of people. But for me and my personality type, it's harder for me to spend long periods of time with people like that. So the reason why cleric people are often irritated by the bubbly sanguine or people who have a mixture of both is because they have things to accomplish and they're very serious about their goals. So if you are a perfectionist and you have a lot to do. Remember when I was talking about stress? Stress says that everything's an emergency. That's what we're living in. We're living in a state of emergency. And this is where I really wanted to touch because um, when you are getting to the point where everything becomes a state of an emergency, it means you're dealing with stress. And this is when being a perfectionist can go into a negative route. Now, perfectionists tend to have a higher risk factor for things such as uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, excessive obsessive compulsive personalities, eating disorders, social anxiety, social phobia, body dysmorphic disorders, um, uh, workaholism, self-harm, things like substance abuse and clinical depression. But most of all, they also have a higher risk factor for physical problems like chronic stress and heart disease. So I want to touch on obsessive compulsive disorder a little bit because that's something that I will be open with and I have been diagnosed with. And it takes many different forms and it's probably, if you're a perfectionist and you're listening to this, you will, you'll understand where I'm coming from. It is so frustrating when you're hanging out with a friend or you just hear someone in passing say, oh yeah, I'm OCD. 
And they use that label of a disorder on themselves because of an action that they perform. So because they like to be neat and tidy, they're all of a sudden OCD. And coming from a psychology background, as well as coming from a background from where I suffer with this disorder, I get so frustrated and I think in my head, and I usually don't say it out loud, although I've done it a couple times, I think in my head, but do you? But do you have OCD? Um, Do you know what that is? Do you know how it manifests? So when we're perfectionists, we can get ourselves to a point of stress to the point where we have tics. Now, obsessive compulsive disorder takes the form in ticks. So let's say you're leaving your house and you're obsessively worrying that you did not lock your door. A person may grab the knob five to eight times, maybe even more, and go through the same process to be sure that the door is locked. And that is an obsession and that is a compulsion because you feel compulsed to do this action. Another example may be if you are doing the dishes, you may actually wash the same dish for eight, however many times. It's in repetition. Now, remember that these repetitions are not just every once in a while. This is something that you have to do. Some people get into a part of their daily life that it bothers them so much that it it is interfering. They're late to work. They start messing with their time management. And you can imagine if you're a perfectionist, how hard it is to then have your time management off and then you begin to obsess about that. So it's an ongoing trail of things. So that's one form it can take. Another form of obsessive compulsive disorder takes is the mental form. And this is where we are going through a string of thoughts that we are obsessing over, over and over and over again, that gets, puts us in a perpetual line of stress. Now, this once again is not a specific event or a tendency that happens once in a while. This is a constant for us. We're living in a maze in our minds that are, have, that are keeping us from moving forward in life. It's giving us fear. It's giving us anxiety. And that's more where I'm at. I'm more of a state of a mental maze, an obsessive compulsive And I just want to tell you guys that obsessive compulsive order is extremely hard to diagnose. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was 21. And the reason why it's so hard is because so many people come in and they claim to have an obsession, which is true. They can be obsessive over something, but it doesn't mean that it has turned into a disorder. So a good example I like to use is we used to have a dachshund and dachshunds are known to be really obsessive animals and she had these keys and she was absolutely obsessed with bringing her keys to you all the time and you had to play and even if she wasn't playing with you they had to be in her kennel she had to be cuddling them if she was napping on you and if she heard anyone kick her keys she went nuts. Um, My in-laws have a dachshund as well and her obsession is licking she has to lick you like almost to the point where she licks and melts your skin it's pretty gross um but those are obsessions or tics that they have so this is something that they have to do they almost they feel like they can't live without it so if it comes to a point where you're feeling like you can't live without it it becomes a hindrance in your daily life you may want to go and talk to a trained professional about this issue. So 
that's obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm not going to get too, too much farther into it. And then we have eating disorders. So perfectionists not only worry about the actions that they're doing and whether what they're performing is perfect, but they're, wor- they're worrying about their outer appearance. So you more than likely will not find a perfectionist whose outer appearance isn't intact. Now, here's what I mean by this. Some people are worried about weight, which is when it turns into an eating disorder because they're never thin enough or they're always worried about augmentation of their body. So they're getting a lot of um, surgeries to have their body look a specific way. Um, and this, this can be a form of it, but also a form of it is not only the eating disorders and the, and the worry about that, but it can be like that everything is pristine. So someone may kind of obsess over their, um, over their outfits. I am so sorry. My son is screaming at me in the middle of my podcast. So, um, you guys might have to bear with me. I am a mom. I have a two year old, so it kind of makes it hard to do these podcasts sometimes, but if I was to stop, I'd have to redo the entire 18 minutes that I've already done. excuse me so anyways so going off of that they it may be taking an outer form so this outer form could be obsessing about clothing so some people actually get into um shopping uh shopping issues they become shopaholics as you've probably heard and these people are looking for the perfect outfit and then the perfect accessories then their hair has to be pristine. So if there's a hair that's maybe out of order, you know, they have to fix it. They're known to carry mirrors around. When they come into a job interview, let me tell you, this is an employer's dream because they're looking for someone who's not only put together on the inside, but they look appropriate on the outside. They look professional. And the perfectionist is going to portray themselves as such. So in the job world, perfectionists are great. And they, and they love this. But my struggle has been, so I said that one of my biggest fears was to ever gain weight. And I didn't want to get over a certain amount of pounds. And I had always been really careful. And I left the military and I went through some health issues and then I had my son. And I did. I gained the weight. And as a perfectionist, that was the hardest thing in my life because it was actually a fear of mine. It caused anxiety. I put myself down. It started messing with my self-esteem and I actually thought that I was ugly. So I tried to overcompensate with outfits and how I appeared on the outside. And um, then I was getting compliments on people liking my outfits. But it took one day when I had a friend that I was serving in the youth group with. And she told me, she said, listen, I noticed that you kind of alter your pictures and... um, You seem to have a little bit of an insecurity about the way that you look. And I want to tell you that you're, you're beautiful and you shouldn't think that about yourself. That was a bold move, but I needed to hear it. And I've heard it before. I've heard people say, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're, you're stunning. You look exotic. You have dark hair. I get compliments, but as a perfectionist, I'm taking every compliment in and I am analyzing it and breaking it down and like, but what did they actually mean like that? Okay. I have pretty hair, but what about the rest of me? I had gotten to that point in my life 
And that is, that's devastating because then we're holding other people to this standard of seeing us the way that we want to be seen. And when they don't, we put ourselves down and it goes into a spiral. Perfectionism can be really, really rough. And then it comes to a social phobia because then we go from this from this line of having these insecurities of ourselves that then we have phobias of going out, spending time with friends, which then leads to depression because we once enjoyed to be around people because we looked a certain way or we were good at a certain thing. And then we're afraid to be around other people because we think we're going to be judged. Um, so this, this is really difficult. And I understand that this is a subject that a lot of people don't want to come out and necessarily say, they'll say I'm a perfectionist, but they won't actually admit to perfectionist syndrome. And that's why I wanted to have this segment because I feel that it's so important that even if you're not verbalizing that you have this, that internally you're recognizing it and you're working on it because I just talked about a lot of the negatives, but I want to get into the positives of perfectionism and the perfectionist syndrome and how you can move from a place of negativity to a place of positivity and own those skills that you have. Because so many times there are people out there who put perfectionists down and it's because they're annoying. They think they're better than me. They think they're this and they think they're that. The reason they do that is because that is what we are portraying to people. Um, aren't we always say we have good intentions well that wasn't my intent I didn't mean to do that but what we intend and what we are portraying are two completely different things and they're very important so the person that we are on the inside needs to reflect on the outside and I had a hard time bridging the gap between the two because what I would do is I would feel something on the inside and then the way that I was acting didn't measure up at all. So people were thinking that I was abrasive and I was rude and I was competitive and, you know, I was, as some people say, hard to handle or intimidating. And that's not what's in my heart. That's not who I am. And people who really got to know me, who are really a part of my life, they know better, but they will tell you that their first impression of me was what I just said. I was intimidating, hard to handle. Um, I've made people cry at work. Um, When I was in the military, I made people cry. I've made people cry. Grown men, I've made grown men cry. And literally, I had no intent of being abrasive or rude. I was speaking truth and I was speaking honesty, but maybe not in a tone that I should have been speaking it from. So we need to hone, we need to hone that in and we need to learn how to use the positives. So work. Perfectionists are, like I said, the employer's dream. They want someone that can do the job, they can do it well, and eventually move up to a point in career advancement and start leading other people to do what they do. Because if you're a prized employee to your employer and you're doing everything or you're doing a lot of things right and they really appreciate you, they want to breed more of those types of employees. And I've been told by some employers that, you know, you're great. I wish we had more people like you 
and your husband or more people like um, so-and-so. So they're looking that as kind of like an archetype for an employee. And it's it can almost turn into workaholism for a perfectionist because we like hearing that so much that we put everything into our work because that becomes our happy place. But um, to, to really take in the positives of perfectionism, we need to come in a way that we're being humble and we need to be able to... Um, try our best in the workplace to not put other people down because our employer may love us, but our coworkers will not because they see us as competitive or they know they can come to us to get all the filing done or get things organized or to plan an event. But if they want to actually incorporate you in a Christmas party and or their son or daughter's birthday party, you may not get an invite. So you're going to have to navigate through what that kind of looks like. Um, Another positive to being a perfectionist is your attention to detail. I know that whether you're learning in school or whether you are working or you're even at home or, you know, in a specific field, that attention to detail can be really important. It was helpful for me in my military career, and it's really been helpful in every stage of my life, especially being a mother. Because if you can have that attention to detail and see things, it's really helpful to know, you know, what's going on with your child and help better suit your child. Um, Another thing is talking about personalities and getting into psychology and counseling. You have a tendency to be extremely empathetic. You just have to find that part of you. So when you finally get to a level of maturity in your perfectionism and you're able to pull back some layers, you're able to see less of yourself and more of the people around you, which makes you really cognitive of other people. And you might find that studying about your personality makes you interested in studying the personality of others. So that's kind of where where I came from. I came from a place of maturity and my perfectionism, and I was able to have more empathy for people and understand more because of the things that I've walked through. And I can't remember where I was reading this, but it's, I want to say maybe it was Max Lucado, but I'm not sure. He's, whoever was the author said, everyone wants to be an expert on something and they think that their expertise makes them know more than someone else. But the Titanic sunk and it was made by a bunch of experts and the Ark ended up floating and it was made by someone who had no experience. Noah didn't have experience in this, but it ended up floating. So I really liked that example. We try to think that our expertise is going to make us better people. While I do think that what we walk through in our Jesus journey is so vital in helping us to empathize with other people, we can still empathize without that. Um, But what I'm saying is as a perfectionist, pull yourself out of the equation and look at the other people around you. Use that attention to detail. Use that organization and you can start to get into different fields. Maybe studying personality is just fun as a hobby. So <clears throat> there's so many different layers, layers to perfectionism. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just want to give you with a couple takeaways. Perfectionism, number one. Perfectionism syndrome is not 
entirely negative. There are positive, there are positive attributes that you can get from this. So if people are trying to put you down for being this way, do not let other people put you down for the person that God has made you to be. And I have said this so many different times, but God gave you this trait for a reason. And although sometimes we get so frustrated that this is the person that we are, these skills are used through spiritual gifts that we can then serve later on. So you just have to mature in your personality, not change it, not get rid of it, just mature in it. And the second thing I want to tell you is that if perfectionism is used in a negative light, um, we can spiral into physical and mental attributes that are not good for us or the people around us. Um, And number three is that relationships are harder. Um, Relationships are hard in general, but when we have such an insecurity with ourselves and don't love ourselves, it's really hard for us to love other people and, you know, give in to them. So tomorrow I'm going to be diving into personality. We're going to be talking about different personality types. It may help you assess what kind of personality type you are. And I think it's helpful because when we learn who we are, we can learn where our behaviors and our emotions are coming from. And it kind of gives us a platform to help us alter some things a little bit to make lives easier for ourselves. So I hope you guys enjoyed this today. I'll be posting it up shortly and tune in with me tomorrow and have a blessed day.